Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning uh, on this Sunday morning. I hope you're doing awesome. Uh, hope everything is uh, just moving along the way you like it. Uh, trick or treat is behind us. It's November. <laughs> that is incredible. It's crazy. It's incredible uh, that we are at the end of the year so quickly. 2022 is gone. About gone. Got some holidays coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I hope uh, got some big plans for that for you. We are talking about how I love my church, and I hope you love your church. I hope you love the church, the big church, and uh, your body of believers that God has connected you to, that you are a part of, and that you are growing with your church. I hope. It's the ecclesia. It is the called out ones. We are a special people, a royal priesthood to God, right? A holy nation, a people belonging to God, not to this world. We are not of this world. We're aliens. We're foreigners. We're strangers. We don't belong here. We shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't act like the world. And we shouldn't have the same mindset as the world. We should be different. That's why, that's why we live according to a totally different set of rules and standards and guidelines and morals. They come from above to us. And the world lives by its own set of uh, immorality. And there's no bar and there's no standard and anything goes. And so we've got to be careful that we are not looking like the world when it comes to our thinking, when it comes to our decision process, when it comes to what's important to us and our priorities. We are not like the world. We are called out. All authority belongs to God. All belonging is because of him that he welcomes us in through the blood of Jesus. And all construction is the work of his hands and his alone. I love the church for a lot of reasons. We've talked about a bunch of them. But today, what I want to tell you is we love the church because the church is a lot like a potluck. Now, if you've been in the church, like in the local church, where families hang out together and, and, and do uh, events together and uh, um, eat together and have potlucks together, then you understand what this is all about. The church is a lot like like a smorgasbord of food, like lots of food. It's like this giant buffet or this wedding feast of food, scrumptious. In Psalm chapter 34, the scripture says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he is good. And if you have been around the Lord long enough, if you have been a Christian long enough, if you are at a place in your life where you are spiritually growing and becoming mature, that the things of God are way more important than the things of this world, and you have tasted and you have seen that the Lord is good, then you get this. Then you understand this. Because we have tasted as the church, we have tasted and we have come to know that the Lord is good and that the church, the church now is to hold out the word of life. We are to be a feast 
of eternal blessings and promises of God to a lost and dying world that is wandering further and further from the truth of God's word. We're to be that bread of life for the world. One beggar, somebody once said, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's what we are as believers. That's what we are as a church. We are just one beggar who needs Jesus telling another beggar who needs Jesus where to find bread, where to find the source of life. The church is a lot like a potluck. It's a lot like a potluck. And in Acts chapter 6, what's happening in Acts 6, if you want to go there in your Bibles, is the church is growing, right? The church is growing. It's on the move. It, it, it was birthed uh, at the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. And so we're still early in the church. It's developing. The gospel is being preached. People are coming to know Jesus. People are getting saved. They're giving their lives to Christ. They're being immersed into Jesus. And of course, needs arise. Needs arise in the church. They just present themselves. Anytime you have people, you're going to have things that need to be done or needs that are going to arise within the group of people. And that's what happens in this church. Do you realize, did you realize, that there are always needs in the church? There are always needs in church. Whatever church you belong to, there is always, if the church is moving forward and growing, thriving a little, at least a little, there are always going to be needs that will present themselves, whether it's with the kids or with the adults or with the teens or uh, putting together food baskets or serving at the soup kitchen or going on a mission trip. There are always things that need to be done so that the church can continue to grow and, and incorporate more people and serve more people and reach out in new ways. There should be needs arising in the church at all times. But along with the needs arising in a church, there's always this too. There's always this shortage of workers. There's always a shortage of workers. And a lot of times you have a handful of people kind of doing most of the work. And that shouldn't be. It should be all of the people doing all of the work. But in most churches, there's always this shortage of workers. Always a need in the church for God's people to step up and to serve the king. And to say, God... Use me however you want, God. And then to find a place in your local church that you go to and you're a part of and you've committed to and get involved somewhere. Get involved there. In Acts 6, here's what happens. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the church is growing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jew because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So we got the Jewish widows and you got the Gentile widows and one of them are being taken care of and the other is not and they begin to grumble among themselves. Verse two, so the 12 gathered all of the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. That is a super, super smart thing. Those who preach, those who lead, those who are the shepherds, those who are the apostles, those who are the elders, have a, a role to play in the body of Christ. And, and they need to stay focused on their role. That's what they should be doing. 
That's why there's always this need for other people to step up and help out in other ways, in other areas of the ministries of the church. There's always that need. If the, if the leadership starts doing all these little things that need to be done, then they're not going to do the most important thing, which is preaching the word, sharing the truth, counseling people, praying for people, and those kinds of things that, that are a must in the church. Brothers and sisters, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men. This is what the, um, the elders are going to uh, suggest. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Stay focused. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius and Nicholas, or Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. This is, this is the beautiful body of Jesus at work. Kind of like a well-oiled machine, even in its early stages. Like knowing our roles, knowing we need more people involved, knowing that there's needs that need to be met and people stepping up and saying, hey, I can help out with that. I can do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll, I'll do more for God. I'll do more for the church. And that's what happens when the church is like an oil, a well-oiled machine. Every part is at work doing its thing, serving and moving and sharing and reaching out and going and sending. The church... The church is where needs are met by other people who have needs. That's a, a huge thing. This is the cleverness of God that kind of goes beyond a human logic or human understanding or the way that humans would do things. See, needy people like us helping needy people like us. It's, it's the most simplest thing, and yet one of the most profound things. So let me share uh, for a minute with you about a, a, a life hack. Okay, this is a life hack. This is like a, a secret of life and biblical, biblical, a biblical principle or a kingdom principle that, we, that comes up as we think about what's going on here. Have you ever noticed what happens in a catastrophe? Some of, some of uh, you have experienced here recently a hurricane hit down in Florida. And anytime a catastrophe hits, you watch, you just watch the news, you watch people. And there's two kinds of people, it seems, at least for the most part, there's two kinds of people. And, and this, this principle that I want to share with you is huge. This principle alone has the power to change your life. It has the power to change the world. It has the power to change the church in great ways. If you'll get it, if you'll catch on to this, get this. This kingdom principle from God. It's amazing. Check it out. So a hurricane hits and there's two kinds of people. There's one people, you'll see them in the news and on TV, and they are sitting in the middle of the wreckage that once was their home. And they are looking at the devastation and the mess. Rightly so. Rightly so. But the second person, 
The other guy, he's out there helping his neighbors. Even though his house has just been devastated as well. One guy sitting in the middle of his wreckage, looking at his own mess. The other guy out helping other people. And you'll see this as you watch what's going on. If you've ever been to a catastrophe, you've ever been to a crisis, I've been to a number of those uh, where hurricanes have hit or tornadoes have hit, and you will see this very thing going on. And here's the truth about it. If you spend your time, if you spend your time inward, wallowing in your own pity and your own mess, then you will become more and more depressed, stressed, and hopeless. But... If you will take your eyes off of your own mess and get them on other people, like helping other people, not only will you find purpose and fulfillment in helping other people, but yours, your mess will, will take care of itself or work itself out in the process. This happens all the time in God's economy, in God's kingdom, in God's kingdom principles. All the time. You know, I hear people say things like this. You can't help others if you don't go and take care of yourself first. And yeah, that sounds good. And, and there is a little bit of truth to that. But the scripture says, when you give, you are blessed. You are more healthy. You are more whole when you give it away. The scripture says when you are generous, God is generous with you. The scriptures say when you forgive, you will be forgiven. You put others first and God will take care of you. That is a kingdom principle that we don't get. Humans naturally look inward, especially in tough times. We are focused and we are so consumed with our own mess. And that only leads to a spiral that goes downward. But when we get our eyes on others and start helping other people, even though ours is somewhat in a mess, God is able to work through us to help them and to help you. In the church, needs arise. In the church, God's people serve each other. Through the church, the word is spread. And through the church, souls are saved. And you got to love in Acts 6, uh, verse 7. Verse 7. This is the principle, needy helping needy. When you do this, God is able to work in mighty ways. Verse 7 says this, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Even Jewish uh, uh, priests were giving their lives to Christ. See, the, the beauty of the church potluck is that there's plenty of food. There's always plenty of food. It, and the food will never run out. In, in the church, when the church is like a pot, like it will never run out. And, and the beauty of it is this, more people can come and eat. 
There's, there's no limit to how many people can come and be a part of the church when the church is acting or looking like a potluck. The word spreads, the number of disciples increase, and even Jewish priests are giving their lives to the Lord when the church is acting like the church. We just have to lay it out there. We just have to lay ourselves out there and say, God, use me however you can. So let me, let me just share with you some cool things about a potluck. The church is like a potluck. So three cool things about the church being like a potluck. Okay, here you go. Number one, the cool thing about a potluck is this. There is, number one, a variety of blessing. You think about a potluck, you think about the church, and there is a variety of potluck. There is so much, or blessing, there is so much good stuff at a potluck. If you think about it, casseroles, pastas, salads, desserts, veggie, rolls, biscuits, you name it, it's at a potluck. Like a potluck, like a potluck, the church is full of like variety and the church is full of opportunity, right? Ways for people to connect, ways for people to grow, ways for people to learn, ways for people to be pushed and stretched and matured. See, God has set it up in such a way that by serving others, each of us grow. We all grow when we are busy serving each other. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul said this. In Philippians 2, great passage. Paul said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. See, serving others is the secret ingredient of God's supernatural power. Serving others. There's power in going, presenting yourself to God and saying, God, use me however you can in the church, in the community, in the world, wherever. When you do that, the power, the supernatural power goes to work in you. And you are blessed and you mature and you grow when you give yourself away. God working in you makes you, get this, the variety. You become part of the variety. Your variety then is used to help others and others' variety is used to help you. And everyone is blessed by serving each other. When everyone applies their variety, whatever it is of you, and God's given ability in you, then the potluck is a feast for all. And the church becomes a variety of blessing to all. This is why we love the church, because it is a variety of blessing to all. Secondly, the second cool thing about the church being like a potluck is this. There is diversity in giftedness. A really good potluck, think about this, a really good potluck uh, has good food from all parts of the world. 
right? You go to a potluck, it should represent almost the entire world. Like, like this says, every plate that's on that table is influenced by somebody's family, the past, their experiences, right? Grandma's recipe, mom's favorite dish, a taste of Spanish or Mexican flavors, maybe Polish, maybe German, maybe Irish, Hungarian, seasoned with the influence of your uniqueness. Every dish is unique and special and a blessing and full of giftedness. The church is full of people who have a variety of gifts. That's what the church is made up of. That's what God has made his people to be. Ephesians 4 says this. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles. That's those guys. Some to be prophets. That's those guys. Some to be evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people to serve for works of service. This is what we're all supposed to be doing, works of service. If, if we're not being equipped to do works of service, then what are we doing? What, what, what are we doing? What, what, this is what the church is supposed to be doing. This is what God said the church is to be doing, to do works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, Jesus gives everyone a gift in the church. If you're a part of the church, if you've given your life to Christ and you said, God, I've surrendered to you. I've been immersed into Jesus. I am a, a born-again believer in God. You are part of the church. And if you are part of the church, then you have a spiritual gift. Did you know that you have a spiritual gift? I'm not talking about playing football or hockey or baseball or some artsy thing. I'm talking about a spiritual gift totally given from God designed to serve in the church, designed to serve God in his kingdom on the earth a spiritual gift. You have one. Everybody has one. If you are a believer, you have one. If you have never discovered your gift, send me a note. I will send you a, a, um, a way for you to be able to figure out how God is working in your life, how God has blessed your life and the gifts that he's put in your life, the strengths in a spiritual way so that you can discover your spiritual gift so that you could begin using that spiritual spiritual gift for serving God in it. Ask me, just ask, send me a note, I'll send you the information. Each of us has a purpose and a place in the body, a role to fulfill, every one of us. And, for the, and, and, and this role that each of us have is for the equipping of God's people for works of service. All of us working together like a well-oiled machine. All of us serving together. All of us moving together. Each with different roles. A variety of blessings and giftedness. Building up the body of Jesus. Reaching for unity in the faith to become spiritually mature. We are all a part of this process attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. you get it? Full of Christ. That's God's desire for you, is to be full in 
Christ, like, like the fatted calf, full, only full spiritually of Jesus, full in the body of Christ, the church, full. But the church can't be full unless everyone is full in Christ. And we all help each other get there. It's a beautiful setup. Each of us becoming more like Jesus. God is working on each of us and God is working on all of us. Individually, he's working on you to make you mature and full in Christ. And together with the church around you, he's working on all of us to become mature in, in Jesus, full in Christ and, and, and mature in him. Unity in the faith. But it takes everyone doing their part. When you step up to a potluck, when you step up to a potluck table and you take in, you step up to that table and you take in this, this spread of food and oh, it looks so good, doesn't it? It looks so good. It's like Thanksgiving on steroids. And you're thinking to yourself, what am I gonna fill my plate with first? Right, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking, what am I gonna go for first? Here's what should happen when you step up to a potluck table. You should see color and you should see variety. You should smell flavors and you should smell freshness. You should taste a feast of goodness. Well, this is what the church should be. A celebration of people all applying their gifts to serve one another and present the body of Christ glorious diverse and gifted so that the lost would find Jesus and be well fed, that the prodigal would come home, come to his senses, come home and find a feast, that the lost sheep would come back to a celebration, that every visitor would, would see how God's original intentions for all of mankind looks when they come to your church. When they come to Burlington Christian Church. See, the church is a diversity of giftedness with every one of us doing our part to contribute. See, a potluck. A potluck is a variety of blessing and a potluck is a diversity of giftedness. And the last cool thing about a potluck is this. All bring something to the table. Everybody brings something to the table. At least in a potluck, everyone should. <clears throat> People shouldn't just show up to a potluck with nothing. Everyone shows up to a potluck because everyone, everyone should contribute. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Everyone contributes. Potlucks are delicious because the food at a potluck is like homemade. Or at least it should be. Like there shouldn't be any Walmart packaging or Food Line or Tops packaging at the potluck. That's not what potlucks should be about. It should be about you bringing your favorite dish to the potluck. At a good potluck, food is prepared from the heart. Fresh ingredients mixed to perfection. This is for the body of Jesus. This is for the church. This is for God's people. We're going to bring our best. All made from the hands of somebody with love influenced by you and of course with no onions no onions allowed in acts chapter 7 the passage that we read 
this, the seven that were chosen to serve uh, the, the widows, this is a variety of guys from a, from a large group of, of possibilities. Stephen and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor, Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas. These are, these are just a variety of God, guys, guys. And the apostles that, that walked with Jesus, that Jesus chose, this is another diverse group of guys. Peter and Andrew and James and, and uh, John and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew, Thomas, Simon, Thaddeus, James and Judas. Every one of them, unique in their own way, from different walks of life, gifted with different spiritual gifts. All brought all they had to the table and they gave it all. You think about the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, or I'm sorry, the prophets, the prophets of the Old Testament, six major prophets, 12 minor prophets, along with other prophets who didn't write letters, all of them different, a variety of guys from all over the place. You think about the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews 11, Cain and Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and so many others listed in Hebrews 11. Ordinary people, just like you, just like me, and, and, and in Paul's letters, Paul mentions people in his letters. In the book of Romans alone, he mentions 29 people faithfully serving the Lord. In uh, Timothy, Timothy and Titus, he mentions 34 people. 34. And you come to the end of uh, 2 Timothy, uh, his, his letter to Timothy, his second letter to Timothy, he says, look, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. And he, he lists all these people all these names of people who are serving God, who are giving their lives for the Lord, who are, who are all in, who brought their, their lives and laid them on the table for God to use however he wants. Like real people laying it out there for God, like, like the boy and, and his lunch. Like, like it's not much, Jesus, but I'll give you all that I got and let God just multiply it. Let God take your little giftedness and let him do something great with it. This passage could easily uh, read with your name in it. Those who are serving God faithfully. Your name could be here. That's who these people are, just normal people like us, just serving God, living the Christian life, trying to, to, to reach the world for Jesus. Believers just like us. All following God's call to serve, all with a passion for Jesus, a willingness to do whatever God wanted, to put God's work ahead of their own work. They dropped their nets. They left their medical practices. They abandoned their tax, tax booth. They walked away from family. They, they left their land longing for a better one to follow Jesus anywhere, living life for God, devoted to serving others, working together for the glory of God, desiring, desiring to present Jesus to the world as a feast for the lost and the hungry in hopes, in hopes that the lost would find the bread of life in hopes that the lost would drink from the living well, that the church 
would provide for the hurting, the wandering, the lost, and the oppressed. Jesus, in down-to-earth ways that they could grasp. All these people laying it all on the altar so that the lost people of the world could taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what they were living for. That's what the church is all about. One more person coming to know Christ. One more soul giving their life to Jesus, finding salvation in a lost and dying world. If we don't get anything else out of the scriptures, if we don't get anything else, let's not miss this one truth. All of the Old Testament followers of God and all of the disciples of Jesus understood. They understood this. They understood what it meant to abandon self, to deny themselves, to follow God anywhere, even to the point of death. All to Jesus they surrendered. They brought it all and they laid it on the table and they left it there. No turning back. No turning back. That's how they lived. See, I love the church. I love the church because my church is God's church. It's where he reigns. It's where he rules. All authority is his. All belongings is his. All the construction is the work of his hands. The church is to be the greatest feast for the world. A potluck of blessing and giftedness where everyone that claims to be a believer in Jesus brings something to the table. Something homemade, something personal, something that costs you something. What will you bring? What will you bring? If we love the church, if we love the church, if we really understand what Jesus has done for us, and we love being a part of what God is doing on this earth, to bring salvation to the souls of men. If we love the church, then we will do everything in our ability and power. We will take all of our resources, gifts, talents, and abilities, and we will bring them to the table. And we will say, God, use me however you can. God bless you guys. Have a great and amazing week. Take care.